Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. It is, as you might expect, a Monday evening. Not only is it a Monday evening, it's a Monday evening at around 8 o'clock Central Time, and it's Monday, the September the 17th, and it's time for 10 dozen minutes with Jake and Mr. Skullhead. Uh, I'm Mr. Skullhead, and we're going to get Jake on the line. Hello, Mr. Skullhead. Hey, so uh, Skype finally decided that what I was looking at for their program was uh, entirely too full of useful information. Okay. So they upgraded me to the new version where I have more space devoted to ads and toolbars that I will never use and less space devoted to actually finding stuff. Oh, so good. That's nice. That seems to be the way of the future. Yeah, just cram in uh, a bunch of ads and a bunch of... Uh, like, there's an entire bar that takes up almost as much space as... Like, a third as much space as the contact list. That's for calling phones. Like, calling landlines from Skype, which I will never do. Hmm. I have that, too, but it's not... Uh, it's it's just a button. That, oh, no, 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 that took me to... Man, I have no idea what's going on. Oh, there. Okay. So the thing on the left is kind of like... I'm using a, an old version. I keep not letting it up update. I've never seen an ad on Skype, though. Yeah, I put it in compact view, which made it look like it was supposed to. Because default view is just kind of ridiculous. But there's a... In the full view, there is an ad across the bottom that's an ad for, hey, you should buy this webcam so that you can Skype more with the Skypes. Uh, Compact view seems to split it into two different windows. I guess there's an ad under certain circumstances for a premium version of Skype. Right. I did give Skype some money once. Uh, I wonder if that has anything to do with it. They, um, cause it, it turned out to be the cheapest way to make phone calls from Europe, uh-huh. uh, is just find a place with internet access and then use Skype. Yeah, that makes sense. And I ended up making zero calls. I bought $10 worth of credit because I was like, eh, that'll be enough. And I still have $10 worth of credit. Every once in a while, I have to send myself a text message via Skype to use that credit before it expires. Huh. How do you send a text message? Every once message? in a while, I have to spend a dime sending myself a text message. Oh, you can SMS in Skype? Well, that's kind of useful. Hmm. You can send SMSs in Skype? Yeah. I always Thanks for uh, putting on an extra song uh, to let me, uh, for, for all those of you listening live, the reason that it took a little uh, longer was because I asked if I had enough time to get a beer. Mr. Scully told me that I had seven seconds. I said, so, yes? And then he said, oh, I put on another song for you, buddy, so you could go get a beer. I mean, you're a guy who I feel like could get a beer in seven seconds, if that was the difference between having a beer and not having a beer. I don't think that I could make it down there and back in seven seconds. Well, like down to your kitchen? You need a, you need a mini fridge in your recording studio there, buddy. No, 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 I think that would create more room noise. That's what I'm trying to avoid. I have a I have a, a stuffed uh, deer head. Maybe you could uh, install a tiny fridge inside the stuffed deer head. Oh yeah, okay. And then it could be it could be venting into the other room where the back half of the deer is. Yeah, because then the vent could just be coming right out of its little deer uh, fundament there. Yeah, the fundament, huh? The fundament. I was going to say uh, asshole, but then I thought, you know what? I'm better than that. I don't have to say asshole. But then I said asshole, anyway. Yeah. Yeah. You've, uh, you seem to be getting worse about this whole uh, caliber of discourse. 
You think so? Getting, I think you're getting old. Wait, do you, you think that I'm I'm raising the caliber of discourse too much? No, no, not that you're raising it. I think that you're uh, you're you're you seem to be more and more objecting to it being low the older you get. Uh, that that seems seems to be what's going on. I'm just kind slowly. of objecting to everything the older I get. I think I'm I feel curmudgeonly. Yeah. See, I feel like every day I learn to open my heart a little wider. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, by the way, we watched uh, Mirror Mirror this week, which made me think of you because it wasn't Snow White and the Huntsman, which is the one that you've seen. Oh, okay. It's like, this makes me think of Jake in an incredibly roundabout and not very useful way. Uh, Mirror Mirror was fun. It's I the, don't know anything about it. What that was it? The, the other Snow White movie. That was directed... So it was the... The Bug's Life to Snow White and the Huntress's Ants. Right, it was. It had okay. Julia Roberts as the evil queen and uh, Nathan Lane as the footman. As Snow White. Yeah, and a guy whose name I still don't believe is his name, Armand Hammer, mm-hmm. was the, the prince. And uh, Clorox was, the, was Snow White. Clorox? Well, because they already had Arm and Hammer. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> Tom's, so of, Tom's of Maine was the, the princess. It was good. It was uh, a little bit silly, which I enjoyed. Had just the right amount of kind of... Farts? F- well, like, fourth wall breaking silliness. You know, like, the, the, the queen starts out doing this voiceover in, a, like, a high British accent, and then drops it for a second, said, God, can you believe that crap? And then keeps going. And There's just enough of that that it, it didn't get too silly, but it was really fun to watch. Mm. Plus the dwarves all, they were all bandits who ran around on springy stilts and kicked ass, and that was fun. Well, so were the springy stilts actually the actor's legs, and they just had, like, shoes on their knees, like dwarf? No, they, they cast seven actual dwarves. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you know, I I would have I would object to that. Well, no, I wouldn't. I was going to say I would object to the not casting dwarves in the role of the dwarves in Snow White and the Huntsman if they hadn't done such a great job of casting all of those dudes. And there are some actual like people dwarves who don't want to play that kind of role because it's the only kind of role they get offered. Like the dude who's the There's midget. There's probably a lot of assholes who are mad about the world. <laughs> well, like Peter Dinklage, the guy who's in Game of Thrones. He said, like, all I got offered for years was Christmas Elf, or Dwarf, or Magic Dwarf, or Leprechaun, and I just didn't want to do that kind of shit, so I didn't. And I, I respect that, you know. Yeah, sure, sure. But isn't he kind of Magic Dwarf in the Game of Thrones? No, he's just a guy. Who happens to be a dwarf. I mean, he... You can't really... I thought there just... was, like, a race of... I thought there was a race of dudes. No, he's just a... Like he's just a like he's like yeah. a, a a human midget. Yeah, birth defect. Yeah, dwarf. Okay. Um, it's weird because he seems to have escaped uh, a lot of the like, like he is a good looking guy. Yeah. In in spite of in spite of the dwarfism, which which often causes some you know facial deformities, which he has some of, I guess. But, but not, not like a giant forehead and. Yeah, like not to the point where it makes him look weird. Mm-hmm. You know, which I don't know. Maybe that maybe that has something to do with his ability to be a serious actor and not have to 
I don't know. I like Bob. I liked Bob Hoskins as a dwarf. Right. Didn't he? I like seeing that guy get work. I was happy to find out that he was still alive. Is that not true anymore, though? I feel like Bob Hoskins I feel being like still alive. He died fairly recently. Really, yeah. I thought he was still alive. Maybe somebody else. Uh, nope, still alive. So I wonder who that was that died recently. Uh, James Kochalka's dad. Oh, that's a bummer. Yeah, he had been uh, he had been uh, sick for a long time, and, and I know this because I think I kind of worked it out in his comics. Yeah, he had he had Alzheimer's. I mean, I feel like for years he had not known who anybody was, and it was sort of a you know not not a blessing, but at least a relief for his loved ones. Yeah, anyway, thanks for uh, anyway thanks for bringing us all up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, you're the one who said Bob Hoskins died. When he did not, in fact, who said people have definitely died recently? Right, they, they, lots of them. It just happened. A big that big guy, Michael Clark Duncan. Yeah, that was a shame. Yeah, I mean, I guess when you're a certain size of big, your life expectancy goes down. But I wouldn't have thought that he was that. He was like a giant, you know, like an Andre the Giant kind of giant. Right. But apparently, he was. This is more of a Bernie Mac kind of situation. Yeah. Oh yeah, Bernie Did Mac. Bernie Mac died like pneumonia. Yeah, and the uh, well, I was thinking of the dude who plays who played saxophone for the Dave Matthews Band, who was a giant, like, obese guy who died on a jet ski. Like, huh? When I heard that he had died at like fifty-four, I wouldn't have thought that it would have had nothing to do with his weight or anything. Well, I mean, if they say that all accidents are attributable to speed, you can also argue that all a- accidents are attributable to mass. So, <laughs> like, increasing the amount that you weigh makes all of your movement more dangerous, right? Yeah, which is why a lot of people who are heavy don't move at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's better to just let things come to you. Yeah. Like, especially things that are covered in nacho cheese. Yeah. I saw I saw a statistic uh, recently that that seemed to me to be made up. Uh, I hope that like one third of American children are obese. Huh. I wonder if that's I have a hard time. BMI. I have a hard time believing that. Like, I, because in in as much as I like don't really have the popular liberal view of America's weight problems, I also don't. I, I, I can definitely see how you could skew those numbers if your goal was to skew those numbers. Right? There are various definitions. I mean, I don't... I don't know. I don't, I don't know if I believe that one-third of kids are obese. Do you believe that? You see a lot more kids than I do. I only believe it if it's according to BMI, which I think it is. And just the body mass index is ridiculous and stupid. Yeah, you know? so every time I've ever... Like, a lot of people say that. And then I looked into it, and I thought, well, it... I can definitely see how there could be edge cases that would make this not work as well, but it doesn't seem like too much of a stretch to me. It thinks I'm 85 pounds overweight. I mean, how overweight do you think you are? Probably about 45. Huh, okay. It thinks that I should be a weight that I haven't been since puberty. 
I feel like puberty is about what you're supposed to be at, though, right? Like, you're not supposed to keep growing after that. Puberty is where you get all buff and ripped. And then it's just and then it's just deterioration from from then on. I don't know. I mean, to me, like I think that the suggested baseline to me, like for me, is if I were not all, if I didn't like specifically go out of my way to build muscles, I am supposed to be like five pounds lighter than I am, which seems kind of reasonable. Like I know that I am not a fat dude, but I I have some abdominal fat that I would like to not be there. Right. But I would just have to, like, drink less beer if I wanted that to go away. And so, yeah, I don't know. I mean... But you are a, you are a person of average build. So that makes sense. Like, the BMI is the same for somebody who's six feet tall and takes a size 48 jacket just to get around his rib cage, and a guy who's six feet tall and takes a size 32 jacket. And there's there's just more dude. You know, like the like the bones in my dad's wrists are so big, and the re- like the rest of his body is so big that of course he's not going to have the same ideal weight as like you do. You know, he's he's just more dude, even if he's at his his best. Do you think that there is actually twelve inches of variability in rib cage diameter between the largest dude's rib cage and the smallest dude's rib cage? No, I was talking about like uh, suit sizes. I'm not sure that those are directly related. Oh, I don't know anything about I don't know anything about suit sizes. I mean, I'm just I'm just sort of curious. Like, what is the standard deviation of like actual size of skeleton? Right. Right. Because it. I, I don't know. I, I just don't have a sense. I mean, and so, but I, but I, I guess my my uh, retort there would be well, okay. So if uh, if it if it is accurate for a guy of average build then that's like as a as a measure that's what it should be right <laughs> it should be accurate for a guy of average build right because if you if you yeah, look sure, at but the, it doesn't like, take into account at all that there are any other builds so if you're going by BMI you end up with a lot of people who are perfectly healthy and in shape and they come out obese because they're big like people can be big without being fat. I mean, here's the question though: Do you come up with a lot of those, or do you come up with a handful of those, and it is not enough to actually make a statistical difference? And that, because that, I think, is going to depend a lot on what the actual standard deviation in frame size is. And my, you know, my impression is that it is not a very, a very big difference. Yeah, that, like it is though. Know, Every, everybody that I know has a BMI that is, is... The suggested weight is ridiculous. Like, not even off by a little bit, but ridiculous. There is no way that I could get to the weight that they want me to be at. And I may, I can see that I have some weight to lose, but there's no way I'm ever going to weigh 165 pounds. I just... I, there's not any way for me to do that without starving myself to death. So that's not an indication of what is a healthy weight for me. But I, I mean, it, it, it is a thing that was born not out of serious scientific research, but out of somebody coming up with it as a model for something else. Well, but I mean, it's a. It, but I think it was meant to be like descriptive, right? So, so like even even if you say that it is that it is useless as a measure, and I am not trying to defend it because I don't know anything. I do not know enough about it 
to to suggest this, but I don't think. Yeah, I don't know. That there is. It seems like even if it is a it is a measure that does not accurately reflect what it says that it reflects, at the very least, tracking its change over time indicates that there are some problems afoot. You know, right. And uh, yeah, I don't know. Like it, it seems to me like you know just the sort of like Michael Pollan argument that it's like all right, well, there's a bunch of there's a bunch of big evil organizations making it their goal to increase the calorie consumption of every person in America. Oh, and also people are getting fat. Yeah. And then that seems like oh, okay, well, uh, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of room in between those two facts for no I'm big boned, no it's genetics no I have hyperthyroidism or whatever right like I don't know I mean you say everybody you know but like I don't know me and Roy and hot stuff yeah but Roy is a wiry motherfucker and so is hot stuff even if he were my weight like for hot stuff to be my size he would just to like take my jacket size and and pants size, he would be hugely fat instead of me being you know kind of fat, right? <laughs> I mean, if you look at somebody with shoulders as broad as Roy's and somebody with shoulders as broad as mine, you can see that there are different body types at work. Okay, I don't know. Uh, so I finally found the. The guy in the 1800s who came up with BMI never intended it to be used as a tool this way. The guy in the seven, in uh, the 70s who reinvented it and went over it again never intended it to be used that way either. Right. I mean, I, and I think using it as an enforcement tool is well, silly. He warns about using BMI for individual diagnoses since the equation ignores variables like a person's age or gender ethnicity frame size and muscle mass ratio well right but i mean that's the problem you, you all of these objections are on an in, on individual basis right so like right it, but on if, an individual basis that's what they're determining when they say a third of all american kids are fat they go no, these no, kids the these opposite. kids went to the doctor and they got their bmi and their bmi says they're obese that's the opposite of an individual basis if you, i mean <laughs> every each individual kid goes to the doctor, is measured against the BMI, and is found to be obese. And that is exactly what this the person who came up with the number says you're not supposed to do with it. I I don't think that's how statistics work, man. L- like the numbers that have been generated for the BMI have are the what you use to determine if somebody is obese or not on a case by case basis. When they say a third of American kids are obese, they mean when we measured the BMI of all these kids, it was over the obese line. That is using the numbers on an individual basis. But how else could you use those numbers if not after measuring everyone? Like, I don't think that that's what he meant when he said you couldn't use it. I, I like. I think that you cannot say to every kid whose BMI comes up as obese, you are obese, because maybe some of them are just, you know, are in great shape, but are just bigger than average. But I think 
that once it gets to the point where a third of the population triggers that, then that is an indication that there is a problem, right? Like not for an individual person, like you can't necessarily say to an individual person, like you are obese because this number says that you're obese, but like if the thing is to have any value at all, which uh, presumably the guy that in you know the guy that came up with it believed that it did that what we are what we're looking at in this case is the appropriate way to use it hmm. because how else would you get that data if not measuring people right i mean it, it, like well, all they're measuring is height versus weight right but and I, that's that a does, way to go about but that measuring. is a measurement of something Right, it's so like it is not necessarily, it is weight. not a measurement of something that you can use to. I mean, so it's like this problem that you get into with generalizations versus specific cases, right? Well, well, it says here that black people are poorer than white people in America. So, Doctor Huxtable, you have a problem because you're not poor. Well, okay, but I'm one dude, and even though I'm one dude in this data set. And it does not apply to me on an individual basis doesn't mean that it isn't real data, right? Like, and I think that's the, don't use this to tell somebody they make too much money, but as a, as a measure of a population, it is useful data. Well, if it's using your skin color and your shoe size to determine how long your dick is, and those are two things that are very widely. But, and it's, but you don't you don't think that measuring somebody's weight as an indication of how fat they are has any merit? Like uh, I don't think it has. Merit? I don't think height over weight doesn't work because that because of the fact that there are people built like hot stuff, and there are people built like my dad. Right, but th- those they are at extreme ends of a spectrum, right? So I mean, so I, would you would you then suggest that there is no way to determine whether somebody is fat or not? I would go for a percentage of body fat. I think that measuring how much fat is on somebody's body is a good way of determining how fat they are. How does one do that? With the little pincers, with the calipers, or with the. Uh, the scale that sends an electric pulse through your body and back. Is that a real thing? Yeah, or just cutting somebody open and draining all the fat out, because then you can make soap too. And sure. Can, yeah, I mean, I guess you can, if you boil, if you boil somebody, the fat will all come out first. Yeah, and so then you can tell their next you see how much, You see how much weight they lose when you boil them. Like, turns out it wasn't. Uh, he wasn't fat at all. So good job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was just dead the whole time. Yeah. Which is what a great movie. He was Bruce Willis. Ah. I just spoiled the ending to Armageddon. You sure did. Bruce Bruce Willis was the asteroid the whole time. <laughs> uh, Actually, the asteroid was just an aspect of Bruce Willis's personality. We were talking about this the other day for whatever reason. Uh, I don't think that the twist in Fight Club is at all important. Do you think that the twist in Fight Club is important? Important to the story, yeah. Kinda, Do you? Kind of. I mean, I guess it, it is important to the story in that it sort of changes the nature of like what was happening moment to moment, but I don't think that it had... I don't think that it really had that much of an effect on 
the things that were good about the story. Yeah, I guess like the things that they're saying about about society and the the way that men feel all unmanly and shit. Yeah, like the moral of the story certainly doesn't change at all. I mean, it's sort of like Jonathan, like it turns out that Jonathan Livingston Seagull was just imagining it all. That doesn't make the things that he learned any less real. Right, I don't think I've ever read Jonathan Livingston Seagull. Really? Yeah. Huh. That seems like the kind of thing that you would have read just to know. I mean, that's why I, I mean, it took like, you know, half an hour to read also. Like, it's just. I never encountered that anywhere in the world. Oh. Maybe they're like the year and a half in between our ages is enough that it stopped being a big deal I mean I, maybe I just hung out with more hippies than you right you never had people tell you you should read it no I guess maybe you never ran into people who judged you as being really high strung and in need of a perspective shift right there did anybody that... ever suggest that you open your doors of perception <laughs> Maybe by people, getting into a fight on purpose. No, there were people who suggested that when God closes the doors of perception, he opens a window of perception. Oh, okay. And we we Christians had our own set of dumbass self-help books, right? Yeah, like like what? Anything in particular? Oh no. There, I mean, there was a shelf full of them at home, but I can't bring any to mind. I. I only read the ones that we got at church camp that were mostly um, don't touch your girlfriend's boobs and don't masturbate. Right, here's how to help yourself. Don't don't ever help yourself have an orgasm. Yeah. It's like People no. are always asking, how far is too far with my girlfriend? And, you know, I don't want to tell you where that line is because you're just going to go right up to it, but I'll tell you that um, you should never... It was like, you can hold hands and you can kiss, but... A lingering kiss that leads to lustful thoughts can lead to heavy petting, and heavy petting is over the line. I only later found out that really only Christians say heavy petting. Like, uh, you know, Christians and the writers of Mad Magazine. Right. Which, you know, maybe they were Christians. I guess. Ah, huh. uh, man. You know what I kind of want? Uh, I kind of want... Uh, there to be and maybe there is one maybe i maybe i am getting what i want as we speak but i kind of wish there was a like a biography of bill gaines uh because uh, it seemed like he like he was pretty old when he got to doing mad magazine like he had had a he had had a career oh, that bill was gaines, not without the, yeah yeah like he he was he was sort of embroiled in the in the kind of cultural foo over comic books right uh, and was sort of like a you know a, a Frank Zappa figure in the like you know like no come on guys censorship is bullshit what is the matter with you yeah because he was in the EC Comics crowd yeah 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 I think he might have actually run EC Comics when you said Bill Gaines though I had this weird picture of Bill Gates deciding that he was tired of being known as the the Microsoft country singer. guy, and so he decided to have an alter ego and release some software under that name. Uh, that would be so good. It's Gorilla.Basic2. <sighs> the hit indie gorillas throwing bananas games. I don't remember if he actually wrote that or not. I don't remember if I think that because his name was in the credits or because it's just a apocrypha. <sighs> um... 
so yeah you, you didn't have I guess uh, I never thought of uh, I never thought of like Jonathan Livingston Seagull as being aggressively secular but I guess a religious a religious person would probably pigeonhole it or seagullhole it oh. as aggressively secular I think it's just that if you're going to consume any media you might as well get the Christian version if you're in the Christian ghetto like that there's got to be there's got to be some good stuff in there, right? I mean, because it's not like it's not like having a belief system stops you from being able to write a book or whatever, right? Yeah, I mean, there's as a general rule, it seems like Christian popular culture is not as good because its mission, first and foremost, is to proselytize. So it's not like the guys in DC talk said we should make the best rap songs that we can they said we should make the songs that we think are most likely to get the most amount of people to get into god do you i guess i always had a less charitable view of like those sorts of acts (laughs) in as much as i i sort of imagine this like well guys our band uh it turns out we're sort of bad and nobody wants to pay to hear us play our music or buy our albums. Uh, what can we do? Like, what's our what's our business move? It's like, well, we could become a Christian band because they'll buy fucking anything, and there's a lot of them, and there are a lot of places where we could get gigs if we were suddenly a Christian band. I think it happens more often than not the other way around. Does it? Where they go, okay, how can we start out, like, how can we find an audience for our band? Like, well, we'll just make it a Christian band, and then once we have, like, half of the audience we could get if we were secular, then we'll turn into a secular band. And then like you can, too. Yeah. Uh, well, no, like Creed. Or uh, Evanescence. Or Katie, oh, yeah? Or Katy Perry. Yeah, all of those started out as Christian acts, and then once they hit a... Like, the the plateau of popularity you can get as a Christian band, then they kind of vagued up their lyrics a little bit and took it from there. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. I guess I, I guess Creed, you know, what's weird. Like I was, I was uh, under the impression early on that live was a little more Christian than you'd think. Yeah. And I said that no way. Cause yeah. They, and I, and I wondered, they have a song called like, shit town. Well, sure, but I, like, and and I wonder how much of that is just like because you know there there is some there is some really nice language in older Christian text, sure, right? I mean, like the King James Bible is like kind of amazing as a document, yeah. And I mean, I think the reason that the reason like it is not amazing because oh wow look what they did with language it is amazing because like look what they did to language. And and so like it sort of set the tone for things that are both florid and effective, I guess. Right. Uh, evocative, maybe. Because I mean, I guess the goal when it was being written was like this should seem important, right? This should seem meaningful. And so now there's this there's this cultural legacy that it has where meaning and importance and evocativeness are wrapped up in this sort of like the and thou and the and the weird cadence yeah between the king james bible and shakespeare i think you you get that idea 
How much time passed between those two things? Like, when did the King James translation of the Bible occur? I'm not the one on trial here. Was it, was it post-printing press? I, I don't think so. No, that was the Steve Gutenberg translation of the Bible. Uh, 1611 was the original, and then 1769, looks like, was uh, the remix. The, okay, so, but I mean, the printing press was early 1600s, right? Uh, sure. Okay, uh, but then when, when did, when was, Shakespeare, I mean, nobody knows, really, when, I guess they do know when Shakespeare when the Shakespeare plays were written. So almost concurrently, 1564 to 1616 was Billy the Shake. Okay. I don't have a good sense of whether there is anything to any of that Shakespeare wasn't a real person nonsense or not. I keep... It's impossible to get a straight take on it, it seems like. I've never seen anything on either side of it that wasn't axe-grinding. Like, it's never, let's go into this mystery and see what what's out there and come to a conclusion. It's, so assuming that Shakespeare wrote all of his plays, here's the evidence for that. Or, assume, and how the other guy is bullshit. Or, assuming that there was somebody else, let's find out who it is. And both sides just say the other side is full of shit, and they both seem to have pretty decent sets of facts to back them up. I'm going to send you a link, uh, and I'm going to talk about this thing that is very much worth reading, I think, uh, which is really my, the only things that I have in my head about is Shakespeare, was Shakespeare real, was it Francis Bacon, was it whatever, uh, come from, come from this thing, which was like a GDC keynote speech delivered by Brian Moriarty called The Secret of Psalm 46, right. uh, which is an amazing document to read, uh, and I would recommend that everyone read it uh because it's just like it it is this really uh, evocative and and sort of heartwarming thing about games right um that's awesome uh but yeah it i mean it makes a case and i don't think that brian moriarty has an axe to grind like i think he just thought that it was an like you know there there are some there are some things that suggest that Francis Bacon was a lover of codes and ciphers and puzzles, and there are some things that suggest that Francis Bacon was at least trying to uh, trying to convince people right. that he wrote that stuff via codes and ciphers. I don't know. It's uh, I don't know that I also believe that it matters really either. the The argument that seemed to me to be the most compelling was that every other like renowned intellectual or or even you know pr- producer of written works of that time there are some surviving books from their libraries right you know with with frontispieces that say that they belong to them and with shakespeare there are none though that could just as easily be like they burned them all after he died or something yeah you get things like he was an uneducated son of a bitch. No, son of a merchant. And so that's... He obviously couldn't have written them, or he didn't leave any books behind, so he obviously couldn't have written them, so... Yeah, I haven't seen any super compelling evidence on either side, and I do have... I kind of share your apathy. I think that 
there's enough decent evidence on either side that you can just go with what you like. I like to think there was this guy who was extraordinary, not because he was like landed gentry or like super mathematically smart, but just had an innate gift for writing. Mm-hmm. Like that that's the version of it that's compelling to me. So I say sure. But if somebody said, "Well, you fucker, look at all this evidence," I would say well, whatever. Yeah. I mean, I don't even know that I it's particularly important to me that it be one guy. Uh. You know, I mean, it because isn't, isn't, isn't one of the arguments like the prolificness? And I don't, I mean, who knows? Like, we've probably written as, like, each of us has probably written as many words right. as Shakespeare in the 10 years that we've been doing this. And I don't own any books. Oh, me neither. Yeah. Huh. Mm. Yeah. I was the son of an English major, uh, I guess. <laughs> that does kind of make sense. Although you do all the writing. You were the son of a preacher man. Yep. I am the only one who could ever reach you. It's true. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know that I believe that... It, like, it depends, right? Like, what what was the world like then? Like, did poor people have any access to anything? Because it seems like shit was real complicated in the cities, so and like, so there could be stories of people... Yeah. You know, creeping outside the the bounds of their station. They would have to go out of their way to learn to read, right? That was the other thing, like, people saying somebody in Shakespeare's social class wouldn't necessarily have learned how to read. I mean, I think, again, that's a danger of looking at data in aggregate and trying to apply it to an individual case. Well, it's a well-known fact that Shakespeare was obese. Yeah. Just look at his BMI. Yeah, I mean, but I mean, you know, you could probably, like, I am probably, and, and, you know, honestly, so so are you. Like, if you look at the amount of money that our parents made when we were growing up, we, we are probably educated beyond our class on average. Yeah. And were at the time, I think both because there are certain people who don't make a lot of money, but it's still important to them to know how to read. And then there are certain people who are curious enough that they will seek out opportunities to learn stuff, even if they don't have to. And so, I mean, I I think it's certainly the case that a few hundred years ago, there were people like that. It's just a matter of did they have like what opportunities existed? And I mean, it seems like in in what I know of a London of that period of time, like there were probably a lot of places to hide and probably a lot of places to hide that had books in them. Right. You know, I mean, to, in, in terms of both like actual places, but also, you know, just like that seems like a place where you could probably and, and I think we think of this as a modern invention, like or, or a fairly recent occurrence where it is possible to live if you don't do anything. You know, it's possible to just eat other people's garbage and whatever. But I imagine that in, a, that in metropolitan settings, that's been possible for hundreds of years. Right, and so maybe somebody, you know, who was a beggar could also learn to read if they found a way to learn to read. You know, I mean, I, I don't know. They could maybe one of them the, learned to read and then taught all the urchins, right? And the anemones. Because I mean, I can't imagine even if I like, even if I was hand to mouth 
trying to find food, if I were fucking surrounded by things that I just didn't understand at all, like words on things right. fucking everywhere in a city, I would I would be driven mad unless I devoted some energy to figuring that out. Right. Yeah. And if you if you grew up on a farm and you weren't super into farming, you would probably be into something that would get you away from having to farm for the rest of your life. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I, I mean, I wasn't thinking of it in terms of, like, overall... I was thinking of just a sort of in-the-moment drive based on who you are as opposed to, like, having a long-term plan. But, yeah, I mean, I guess that... I guess that probably follows. Yeah. Mm. I grew up on a farm, but the farm was owned by people who had no interest in farming. <laughs> so it wasn't, like... There wasn't really any danger of my dad saying, hey, you should be a farmer. Right. Um... Man, my grandpa, I guess, uh, I don't exactly understand what happened here. Uh, but apparently this was just like a shit year for farming. Right. Uh, because of just the, like, widespread droughts in the Midwest. And so, like, grandpa didn't have any yield at all. Like, he just, no, there wasn't anything. And I thought... I asked mom, I'm like, all right, well, does the, does the government bail you out in that case? And mom said, no, he has crop insurance, which is a thing that he buys every year and people laugh at him. Um, like, oh, okay. Hmm. So I guess like he got back the money that the seed cost. Uh, so he didn't lose anything except, I don't know, a thousand hours of hard labor. <laughs> right. Uh, I don't actually know how, I honestly don't, I mean... He had a full-time job for a long time and still farmed, so I don't know. I don't know how much time it actually takes hmm. to do farming. At I think scale. it depends if you're a gentleman farmer or uh, I, I don't know a, a rogue farmer. Yeah, I mean, I imagine it's cheaper for him than it would be for me because if his tractor breaks down, he just fixes it, and yeah. if his tractor needs a new part, he will fashion one out of metal that he welds together. <clears throat> Uh, whereas if anything goes wrong with anything, I just immediately Google who I can pay a lot of money to fix it. Right. Um, yeah, I don't know. It is weird to think that I am only two generations away from a guy who can fix a lawnmower. Yeah. A and I, like... I, uh, yeah, my dad was telling me stories this last visit of... Just recently, he went to a bunch of yard sales and bought a bunch of, like, leaf blowers and and uh, weed whackers and shit that were broken and just fixed them and then sold them for, you know, he bought them for $5 and sold them for $50. He's yeah. Like, and he, he described in detail how he, you know, problem solved them and checked to see and switched out the fuel lines and stuff. And it's like, that is so beyond what I expect to be able to do when I'm 60. That, man... I mean, like, he, he used to change the oil on all of our cars. When we had yeah. four cars in the family, he would just spend a day jacking up cars and getting under them and changing oil. And see, whereas you and I would spend our days jacking off on cars. Yeah. Or in cars. You know, my dad, my dad did that, too. And, and I've, I think, though, that eventually with more and more modern cars, he stopped doing that. Huh. Uh, because it got to be less and less a thing that they really supported you doing. It was also, I feel like they had to have gotten cheaper over time. Oil changes, maybe. 
I don't know, or maybe our family was on such thin margins. Like I'm, I'm just now learning how poor we were in Prescott. Yeah, that he, you know, I see twenty bucks for an oil change, and I go, sweet, I will never ever change the oil on my own car. But he saw that and went, I guess if we want to eat, I had better probably do this myself. Yeah, I mean, thinking about the fact that like when. When I moved to Phoenix and got the job at Intel that I had there, that was more money than either of my parents had ever made. Yeah. At once, in their, and then, so it's like, it was easy for me to say, well, it will save me two hours to pay somebody 25 bucks to change the oil in this. And to me, that is now, that is now an acceptable value proposition. Yeah. Even, even looking at it realistically, like to my dad, that would have been an acceptable value proposition at the wage that I was earning, but to him it wasn't. And yeah. that's fucking weird because my dad knew all kinds of shit. I mean, I guess I know a bunch of shit that my dad didn't know. Like, he never, you know, he wasn't a programmer. Like, he, you know. But it's I, also like, he could go, well, my time is worth this amount of money. And. But if he didn't have to take that time off of work to do it, then he's not losing the money. So, yeah. yeah. If you yeah, count, I if mean, you count your time when you're not at work as free, right? But I don't. I mean, I feel like that's a thing that I have learned not to do. Like yeah. my, I, I like I value my leisure time even more highly than the time that I that I have to work in order to you know sustain the company and, and, and my lifestyle and our livelihoods, right? Like it, it's, it's, it is worth even more to me. And I've always like, dad used to get on me for paying for one day photo development. Huh. I'm like, dad, it's like six bucks. And he said, yeah, but it's three bucks if you mail it to them and get it back a month later. I said, yeah, but it's six bucks. Like, right. you know, I'm like that's an hour of washing dishes for me, which I mean that sucks or whatever. But like, what what is it for if not to do things that make you happy and are like like money is for necessities and indulgences, and my necessities are taken care of. So why can't I pick my indulgences? You know, I think all expenditures of money come down to priorities, right? And if somebody's priorities are different than yours, you tend to glance askance at them. Like, like the endless iPad debate when that came out. After getting some distance from that, I like, well, these are people who would think it was ridiculous that I paid eight hundred dollars to buy new floors for my basement when it already had a floor that you could walk on. It, it didn't look great, but it was fine. Right. And that's the same way that I feel about, like, well, you already had a computer and a phone. Why are you paying extra for this thing when you could be buying floors? Yeah, well, because it makes you happy, right? Yeah, and it, it, is, like, yeah it, it is entirely just a question of priorities, and nobody's are right or wrong. And, and I mean, as I guess that's your kids the thing with Dad, too. Know. Dad liked fixing cars. Yeah. I don't know. It's hard for me to imagine your dad enjoying anything. I know, he was so dour around you. But you knew him right when shit was going way south at the church. Yeah. So he was probably in a bad mood 90% of the time, and it was because of the dickheads at that church. I guess he smiled a lot at your wedding. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, retailers. you know, he was half in the bag. Oh, good. He had himself Wait, some was champagne. He, really? <laughs> like, he what? He had himself a glass or two of champagne. Uh, he probably wasn't half in the bag. He was... 
probably like had a foot in the bag. Hey, Jews! Know. Jews get to drink, don't they? Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Good. Uh, yeah. Just that's a that's such a that's a weird arbitrary thing about religions, and it seems real important to me. <laughs> Again, this is probably just an issue of priorities, right? But uh, I, mean, I don't know. The, I mean, I guess Baptists weren't forbidden to drink, were they? Only the most conservative of them, which is where we grew up. Like, there's, there's a Bible verse that says, Be not drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. And a lot of Christians of that stripe took it to mean, Don't drink any alcohol. Mm-hmm. I mean, to the point that they would insist the miracle of Jesus turning water into wine, he turned it into grape juice. And it just happened to be, like, really good grape juice, and everybody was like, wow, this is the best grape juice I've ever drank at a wedding. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, it's like having a beer in our fridge or a bottle of wine on our counter would have been disastrous if somebody, some of the people from the church had come and seen. Mm. I mean, because they came over and poked around in your fridge. Well, like, they came over for dinner. What? So is there anything in the actual Bible about coffee and stimulants and stuff or was that all was that all in the I think that's extra Mormon nonsense uh, uh, only Mormons do that and I think they're coming from your body as a temple although I think that was recently revised by a revelation from the prophet that your body is actually a wonderland okay because <laughs> the, the prophet had been listening to John Mayer and God mm-hmm. spoke to him but yeah so they figure you shouldn't put caffeine or nicotine in it. Although most Mormons that I know, even the most devout ones, would cheat on that one and just feel bad about it, and that was okay. Yeah. I mean, they would get, like, uh, the drama teacher at Prescott High School would drink a coffee like an alcoholic would drink a single beer. And feel right, she would she would a little flask of it. coffee that she carried yeah. around that she would pour into a cup of water to spike it. Well, just like sit there and and worry about whether she should, and then finally give in and drink it, and then feel terrible about it. Mm. Yeah, wasn't she the one that gave those kids the keys so that they could break in and vandalize the school? I never heard that. Hmm. I don't remember if it's the same woman or not. It was some teacher that you had had that I hadn't, so I assumed it was some drama. Gary. You know, that guy Gary. Drama drama Gary. (laughs) He was was actually a dromedary. But we called him Drama Gary. Fucking affirmative action, man. Hey, he was born that way. Uh, hey, do you want to uh, do you want to take a break for me to get another beer and take a leak and then uh, answer some Kingdom of Loathing questions? Yeah, leak taking is a priority. Uh, yeah, we'll be back in. Now, see that goes down there. Um, call it about sixteen minutes. And we return. Hey, how's it going, buddy? Hey, I'm good. I uh, kissed my wife and went to the bathroom. Oh, yeah? I kissed Nightmare! Oh, yeah! That was after I went to the bathroom. Did you wash your hands in between peeing and kissing Nightmare? No! Oh, you are a rebel and you'll never, never be any good. It's true. 
yeah, so Nightmare arrives. Yay! The, he and uh, he and Hot Stuff are downstairs playing some sort of hexagon tiles with insects on them strategy game. Oh, that's the game Hive that I was talk- talking about that we played at okay. Glory this I, I, uh, I thought, I went down there and I said, oh yeah, somebody was just talking about this. I remember it being somebody with a huge dick. Hmm. But I don't know who it was. Somebody who either uh, has or is a huge dick. Did we see somebody playing that at Dragon Con and you pointed at it and said, oh yeah, that's a thing that's good? No, after uh, the Glory camping trip, I said, I played this game that I feel like you would enjoy and I'd want to play more of. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah, so that's pretty good. Pretty good. What are you getting here, Mr. Skullhead? Wednesday night. So nice. Yeah, I'm going uh, at we, uh, seven. Not, not and... that we should be having this conversation on the yeah. air, but uh, I would like uh, to, uh, since we don't really have the ability to broadcast anymore, I was hoping that on Sunday at some point uh, you could come to the office and we could record the Monday show. That's doable. Okay. We should make it at eight a.m. on Sunday just so that we don't miss the LARP too bad. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. I was thinking, uh, I don't know, Kevin suggested, like, noon, and I thought, eh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to commit to doing anything at noon. I don't know if, I w- I don't know if I'm willing to commit uh, multiple of us to doing something at noon on right. Sunday. Because, honestly, what I kind of imagine happening on Sunday is me waking up at 8 a.m. and thinking, I don't have to get up right now, and then just going back to sleep for, like, 40 years. All right. Uh, okay. How about this uh, forum thread with the questions and stuff in it? Yep, let's do it. Mythcaptor says, Are you aware that October's item of the month will be the hundredth item of the month, counting VIP keys once and counting both items of the month on months that contain two April 1st items of the month and AA booster box? Just a little interesting trivia. <laughs> Ugh, God. By interesting, do you mean fucking depressing? That's um, eh, not depressing. Yeah. I'm glad that. If, if you had said that there would be a hundred items of the month, that this would continue to be our jobs for a hundred months, I would have said, fuck yeah. Yay, that means we won. <laughs> and then I was like, at that point, you know, if this lasts five years, any month in which, it, like, just the everything burns down and we suddenly have to get new jobs as hobos, that'll be all right. Right. I still feel that way. I'm glad you do. Um, you know, one thing I wish is that all of the all of the spare money that we had had over the years had been invested in something other than the Phoenix real estate market. Right. <laughs> that's something I that's something I wish a lot. So, now we have to be we have to last another 10 years so that this shit will recover. We have to think? last another 10 years so we can last another 50. 10 years of being 10 years will do it. I don't. Uh, people keep saying that 10 years will do it, but I think that's because people, uh, 10 years is just their go-to incomprehensible amount of time. It's their two weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like to me, two weeks seems like an incomprehensibly short amount of time. Hmm. On to the actual question, continues Mythcaptor. Uh, I'm reposting from last show's thread because it didn't get answered. It says Series 1 on the bottom of Alice's Army cards uh, when you look at them in an Alice's Army game. Is there any chance you'll ever add a Series 2? I love the game, and I think it has a lot of potential for expansion. Yeah, we thought so, too. And, I mean, it, you know, it might happen. It's just... It's just... I think It's we can, one of those things that is hard to prioritize. Yeah, and when we talk about it, we end up getting bogged down in delivery method, I feel like. Uh, yeah, that's, that is the thing that happens sometimes. 
uh, you know, because it's like, well, do we want to start sell another? You know, do we want to make it another item of the month? That's a second Alice's Army expansion. Which is like, no, I don't think we do. You know, so, uh, you know, it it does seem like one of those things where we could leverage all of the work that we did on that item of the month into something that would create a bunch of fun in exchange for a relatively small amount of effort. But I think we do. <clears throat> across all of us we have some philosophical differences on how <laughs> how a second how an expansion should be delivered right um, I think we're setting we're this year we've set a good precedent for putting other things in Mr. Store that aren't just the item of the month to have additional things in Mr. Store occasionally have we done that this year? Well, I mean, we added... We made the first substantial change to Mr. Store when we added the two Mr. A familiars. The yearly... Yeah, yeah the yearly familiars. We changed those substantial. And, it, like, when we... The VIP key is over a year old, of course, but that was a thing. Like, any time that we have a clan furniture item, we're going to have this extra item in there, too. Yeah, I mean, what if we did a... If we did a... An expansion that you could buy booster packs at the wizard shop for whatever credits you use, or you could buy a box of them in Mr. Store for one Mr. Accessory. Right. That would probably make everybody happy. The, I, I think the, the only issue that I had with anybody's suggestions was that I didn't necessarily want somebody who didn't have as many of the Season 1 cards as he wanted suddenly just summoning Season 2 cards. Oh, yeah. Um... So I wanted it to be a thing that you got by some action that you took. Yeah. Uh, but but beyond that, and you didn't want anything supernatural in there. Like we had, I feel like there was this content issue where really? it seemed important to you to not have like a vampire or a space lizard or something. I don't remember that at all. You don't. I mean, it seems like. I, the with the theme of it what it is I can see why I would make that argument but maybe yeah yeah I mean I don't feel real strongly about it one way or another I mean anything you know if we if we made one it was like hey this card is a vampire and it does this and this and this like well okay this card is a rapist and it does exactly the same thing therapist but it's just themed as something wholesome from the real medieval world right I am the royal rapist it's always about rape with you but again, it is it is difficult to prioritize that over uh, working on a new item of the month or working on uh, you know the next challenge path or or whatever, right? Like yeah. it's it, it's always a thing that it is hard to we at this point. What I wish I had was a couple clones of me and CD Moyer, <laughs> uh, like a clone of me to actually spend the time that it requires running a company of this size just telling people what to do and organizing other people's work because I feel like that is that is the thing that I am by far the I am not bad at it I just hate it and and I feel like any any amount of time that I spend managing I do at the expense of time that I could be spend spending doing work that is meaningful to me right um yeah. Yeah. Fuck, man. I don't know. Uh, one of these days, Word Realms will be done, 
and then we'll start working on the Word Realms MMO, which will be easier than working on Word Realms. Let us hope. Um, no, it's there's no fucking way I'm letting I'm letting that morass multiply. Which is, you there know, is a, usually there is not somebody... going to be a generation two of any of the fucking tools that we're using to make this single player word realms. This is a this is an evolutionary dead end. I mean, usually uh, when I hear more assets in a good way, so yeah, sure. Like get ye that guy gets more ass than a donkey hostler. <laughs> than a donkey hostel. <laughs> Donkey Hostler was my favorite Cervantes novel. <laughs> uh, evening, gentlemen, says Chilled. Hope you enjoyed the argument you had in the first half of the show. We sure did, fatty. Fuck oh, ass. no, wait, he's English. They don't have an obesity problem there. Right. They just, I guess they just have an uh, indecent exposure among their royalty problem. Are you all stoked for con? I am, and I can concur that people do go to con looking to get laid. I did, and curiously, I did. So how do you think I should, or so how do you think I should get some sleep on the flight over? Not sleep the night before. Thieve some sleeping pills or get outrageously drunk at the airport? I read, I, maybe I didn't read, <coughs> I don't remember. Somebody told me recently about a trick for eliminating jet lag, uh, which was just to stop eating for like 12 hours. and then eat at whatever morning is like make it so that your first meal in 12 hours is at morning time in the new place that you're going to right and that that helps your body reset that to morning and it seems like maybe a thing that worked for one guy once and then he wrote a book (laughs) or you know published a tweet i just always set my clock when I got on the plane I set my clock to the destination time so I just began my journey living on the time it's going to be at the destination just kind of force myself into it yeah I mean I guess that would work if you like are you capable of sleeping on an airplane yeah yeah see to me that's sort of like sleeping on a tightrope ah like it's just not a thing that it's not a thing that my horrible horrible mind is going to allow Um, that's going to be the name of the movie they make about me my biopic my biopic a a horrible 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 mind not just a horrible mind but a horrible horrible mind a horrible horrible mind colon the sharding Hmm. that'll be the sequel the shartening Uh, could you not acquire sleeping pills by legitimate means I thought you guys had uh, industrialized medicine over yeah but that means that he has to go to a place that has a whole bunch of gears and watch parts and shit on it and then he has to yeah wait. you go to and soot you, you end up with yeah. some sleeping pills that are all covered with soot so they also give you stomach cancer but if he ordered them now it would take them at least a year to get him the pills because that's what universal medicine is like mm-hmm. I guess that bowel they would call it bowel cancer if you got colon cancer mm, probably yeah um yeah, that's what the, the bowel rog, that's why it's so terrifying. It's supposed to evoke our natural fear of bowel cancer. So is it the colon rog in the uh, American English translation? Yeah, it is. Yeah, and it's Excellent. also the sorcerer's stone. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, no, man, I don't know what to tell you about getting sleep on the flight over, because I cannot fucking do it. You're clearly not as terrified of flying as I am. 
Uh, in game news, somebody in uh, Make a KOL thread suggested that the Zombie Master should be able to cook brains with brain-meltingly hot chicken wings to make brain sauce. I don't think you can tell me that that's not genius. I don't that think just, I get it, I that, think is what I can tell you. That would just make the brains go away, right? Because it would just melt them. Yeah. So I think it would just make normal chicken wings. Right. Oh, wait, no, I see it melts the brains into brain... Okay. So it would make brain sauce and some normal chicken wings. I see. But when things melt in KOL, they disappear. Yeah. That's that's canon now. Which is why uh, we've made a change that uh, all iceberglet items are now one use only. Yeah. I mean, you guys had a lot of utility out of those, so I don't want to hear any complaining over the years. Uh, Melon says, on a similar note to Mythcaptor, did you know that January is not only KOL's 10th year anniversary, but also the 100th month of Mr. Store stocking items of the month? A cool coincidence. Ugh, Christ. There should probably be something that we do to celebrate 10 years, if it's if only just, check it out, 10 years. I mean, I feel like 11 years is a better milestone. Hmm. I suppose for us. I, um... I finally got the t-shirt design done. Nobody yelled at me early enough this year. I, I didn't realize I was fucking up and putting us down to the wire and making it so we had to pay to get expedited printing done in the in the hopes of getting the shirts done for delivery in person. Yeah. Uh, but, but it happened. But they're pretty cool, and they're going to be in glow in the dark ink. Nice. As it turns out. Yeah. Uh, fuck, ten years, man. That's all I can say about that. It's fuck. Yeah. I still remember. I mean, I guess, you know, I, I, I tend to... Uh, hopefully I've broken this pattern, uh, although I would have said that at any point in the last 20 years. Yeah. Uh, I guess it's been three three serious relationships right. is what KOL has spanned, and those tend to be about three years for me. I am still with the girl I was with before Kingdom started. Yeah. That must be fucking boring. Uh, everybody I know who was in a relationship but not married is no longer with the person they were with when I met them. Mm-hmm. So. Everyone from ten years ago, you mean? Yeah. Or I don't like, know if I know anybody who's been in a relationship for ten years. Uh, I have a friend who was married might be getting a divorce I have a cousin who I don't remember how long she's been married but is maybe getting a divorce mm-hmm. everybody's getting a divorce these days Mr. Buddy that's what all Mr. the cool kids are doing now also I'm going to call you Mr. Buddy from now on great thanks uh, no, Mr. Buddy was my father <laughs> uh, Rotini Pants says any chance of seeing an astral item that allows a fourth accordion thief song in your head the way the brimstone beret or plexic pendant do or was the loss of that mechanic in hardcore intentional with the Valhalla revamp last year oh that is an interesting question you know the thing about that is there is a thing in our enchantments drop down that says allow a fourth uh, accordion thief slot song slot but it doesn't actually do anything uh, other than display that message so that it still has to be hard coded to to work that way and so I never want to use it because I'm like fuck I don't know where that is um that is an interesting uh, that's an interesting thing that happened that was totally not on purpose well thank you for bringing it up 
Uh, Clockwork Beat says, Jake, I've been listening to you guys since probably junior high, and I now find myself in college for programming. What I'm really here to tell you is that my new C++ professor has a mega boner for Linux, so thanks for making me hate Linux assholes before I even knew what Linux was. You guys keep staying classy. Yeah. I'm sure there are individual people who use Linux that aren't assholes. When I talk about Linux assholes, I mean the people who... The people whose whims decide the fates of countless businesses as a result of <laughs> positions that they've found themselves in. Uh, often, you know, you know what I realize? A lot of what I dislike about Linux assholes is more broadly describable under the context of what I hate about petty tyrants. Uh just petty tyrants in all situations, in all walks of life, in all industries. Nothing worse. There is nothing worse than a petty tyrant, Mr. Skullhead. So somebody with I'm a little bit of power. I learned a phrase for it so that I would know how to describe what I hate. The bouncer at the bar. State law, bro. The mall cop. Yeah. The, I don't know, the woman at the front desk. Sometimes, the bouncer. Less, you know, fewer women. Fewer women exhibit petty tyrant syndrome. I've only encountered one petty tyrantess. Tyrantrix. Yeah, I get them at the the receptionist level frequently. It's like, the, well, I'm sorry, sir, but there's nothing I can do about it. Like, okay, can I talk to your manager? Sure, I'll put you on with my manager. They can just tell you no too. It's like, f- fuck you. And mm-hmm. fuck you, <clears throat> Mer- Merlin. Merlin Mann, uh, as Mer- as Merlin Mann teaches us, real power is in being able to say yes, not being able to say no. Yeah. That's I what you got to tell those people. That's Aquaman. I mean, those bitches. Hmm. I should also this tell. This username me. says, "Have any cool plans in mind for the undisguised Pirates Cove? Will a revamp that be included in the level nine quest revamp coming up when it does, or will it be a separate update?" Now, uh, the level nine revamp is sort of relegating the involvement of the pirates in the level 9 quest to the easter egg status that it always should have been right um yeah cause that's fucking weird man that is that is where the wheels really fall off on accessibility at this point is having the abridged dictionary yeah because the way that you get across this chasm is well first go do the meat car quest but how do you know that? Oh, well, because you got to go to the shore because you got to do this useless thing. This thing that by all, by all ways that you have of evaluating it is useless to you and a waste of three turns. Uh, you got to do that X times to get these dinghy plans. And then what? Planks? What? Where were those? I don't even know. Right. Yeah. Uh, KOLCon item. Any hints as to what it's going to be this year? No... No, it's a surprise. We're still working on it. Yeah, it's a thing. It's uh, I'm hoping to get some, get some serious hours put in on that tomorrow. Yep. Because I've I have not uh, I've not been uh, particularly good about making that be a real thing. Uh, any plans to release a challenge path that offers separate unique rewards for each class, similarly to how Bad Moon and Oxycore do? I don't think so. I think that would always be outside the sort of uh, scope definition of a challenge path. 
I mean, unless there was one where we decided to give like a skill. That is a thing where I'd be like, oh yeah, skill for every class. Let's do it. Awesome. This rules. Because I suddenly like making skills. That's what that's that's what I have a boner for in this third. So for the second three years of KOL, I had a hard on for combat items, and in the third three years, it's been a hard on for skills. See, and I've had a steady monogamous relationship with breakable gear. Yeah. <clears throat> M. Steeler says, not sure if this would be an option somewhere or just a UI change, but could the apply to this clan checkbox be moved to under the credo, i.e. above the member list? If not, is there a reason for not doing so? Clan hopping for 100 plus player clans just becomes an exercise in scrolling. It's a pretty minor gripe, though. No biggie if it doesn't happen. Well, you should celebrate any chance you get to get some exercise, you fat fuck. Assuming, yeah. assuming you're American. Yeah, assuming you're American and in the one-third... Ashton says, so we got a DA and a DR, which I don't really work, uh, which don't really work all that intuitively. Why not fold the two systems into something called DM, which has diminishing returns like ER? Uh, really, I just like the idea of non-KOL people ta- hearing us talking about how they got rid of the district attorney and the doctor and replaced them with a dungeon master who scales like an emergency room. Uh, edit, DM stands for damage mitigation. Ah, d- see, damage mitigation, though, I don't think that's a good... So the way that mitigation works on the bosses is anything above a certain level, anything above a certain amount of damage gets an exponent applied to the extra um, so that really that is a way of enforcing that a boss fight for normal people lasts at least a certain number of rounds so that the boss gets an opportunity to do the stuff that we've given it to do to make the fight interesting or to make it so you you know have to understand it or 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 be prepared for it i don't know that that's a good approach to monsters doing damage to the player because what you what you want out of that is you want a player who is taking five points of damage to get a new hat and be suddenly taking three points of damage because that's that's cool, right? Like it, and 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 for that not to mean that a a player who's taking five hundred points of damage is suddenly taking twenty points of two hundred points of damage. Yeah, you, to make sure that, that something that totally doesn't make sense happens later. Uh, and I, and I recognize and am you know retroactively. What do you call it when you see something that you did? 10 years ago and think if I did that now I would be ashamed of myself <laughs> and the only reason the only reason that you are not ashamed of it is because you recognize that you didn't know anything right. when you did it that's just growing up man yeah but is there a word for is there a word for for that interaction with things I mean I guess I remember talking to I talked to Damien on uh where were we? We were on we were on a a city bus on some Caribbean island when we were on the cruise. And I said, Damien, do you do you listen to stuff that you recorded early in your career and just wince about how horrible it is? And I, and I said, and I said, the reason that I asked that is because I look at that stuff. I, rather, I listened to the songs that you recorded earlier in your career, and they're great, right? And there is nothing about them that makes me think, oh, wow, you know, a modern MC Frontalot would never have done that bullshit. Right. And, and he said, 
yeah he's like yeah i really i i when i listen to it i'm like oh god that would sound so much better if i just mixed it today uh-huh and you know that that made me think that maybe that's just a universal thing among people who do creative work for for yeah, a period of years in an environment like the internet where the shit that you did 10 years ago is still very readily accessible yeah i mean you know, like, to, to everyone who's interested in you going through the monster manual stuff uh, oh wow spoilers it's not a spoiler for much longer yeah, I mean it's probably I, I it'll it'll either roll out tonight or tomorrow. Yeah, going back over all those monsters, I found a lot of things where I went, man, I was so proud of myself when I wrote this, and it's so terrible. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't think it's terrible. I just think that it's. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It, like it, I had it, occasion, like the new Jack Gnome is one. That when I wrote it, I remember going, God, that's so clever that I came up with another gnome to fit into this weird zone, and it totally fits the thing, and it's so funny, and this cultural reference is awesome. And I read it over again, and it's like, oh my God, that is such a stretch. And it's not funny, and ah, why am I terrible? Yeah. For the most part, I resisted the urge to rewrite stuff, but there were a couple that was like, okay, this is terrible, and I'm, I'm taking a another shot at it oh yeah when you when you were going through there did you actually alter some of your old stuff silently yeah, yeah subtly and silently oh good I mean in a way it's like uh, I think that because I feel the way that I do about a lot of the early artwork I don't see any problem with you doing that at all right right like i didn't see any problem with having you go back to the early items you know this happened like five years ago where it's like you know a bunch of the items were just like this is a big rock right like what okay that is not what we would do now and also that is not objectively any good like this is not a thing that is objectively worth keeping right um you know, and like, hey, look at these goblins with like super fucking thick line weights. And, you know, somebody will bitch, but there is nothing that we could do that is so good that no one in gameplay discussion would write a scathing diatribe against it. Right. So at some point, that becomes meaningless. No. Uh, yeah, I, I. One of these days, one of these days, I am going to think of something to do with damage absorption and damage reduction and a way to implement it without having to deal with... Because the the problem there, like, I'm less worried about the critical system than I am about damage absorption and damage reduction because there are probably only, like, 30 things, items, skills everything in the game that affect critical hit chance and everything interacts with damage absorption and reduction Mm -hmm. right and so i might make a change that's like all right well okay so now we've rolled damage absorption and damage reduction into a single thing that works really well for what i think of as normal people and then suddenly the speed ascenders are like you just totally hamstrung our ability to handle high monster level and this single change doubles the length of every ascension the boards are all unassailable to which I would argue the boards are not unassailable they are only unassailable for 60 days to which they would counter 
but KOLDB is the real boards. Right. Uh, and, and yeah, so I, I'm just, I am more nervous about trying to, although that said, you know, this fucking glancing blow thing, pretty fundamental change to a pretty fundamental system that I was dissatisfied with. And it was pretty much as I expected. Nobody really gives a shit. Right. So this is a thing that was like, allowed me to, this change allowed me to visit some kindness upon the, the new kids and when I proposed it in dev, everybody was like, ooh, ooh, I don't know, man. And I'm like, well, let's try it. And then months later, it's like, eh, you know, I guess that wasn't a big deal after all, right. as it turned out. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, I don't, I occasionally will say things that make it sound like I'm talking shit about dev. And I'd like to go on record once again as saying that their tireless and largely thankless efforts are largely responsible for any of the shit that we do being any good by the time the public sees it. Right. Uh, it is just that they have taken up the mantle of representation of a sort of resistance to change that is sometimes frustrating. And this is a sacrifice that they make for you. Is They, they throw themselves in front of the bullets that I spit when they point out how people are going to react to a change. Yeah, we want them on that wall. We need them on that wall. Everybody needs them on that wall. Word. They just don't necessarily want to talk about it at cocktail parties. Yeah. Uh, Log from Blamo says, I like the idea of people hearing about elemental resistance and thinking about guerrilla bands of freedom fighters composed of naiads, ifrit, and chthonic spirits, yeah. and bacon elementals. Wait, what? Why is it that so many elementals are not actually aligned to one of the six KOL elements? Uh, I mean, because that was a funny thing about making up shit early on. Are there only elementals for the elements? Mm. It, I thought elemental as describing being the like platonic representation of like the, the pure essence of something. It, yeah, like if if a substance or a concept had physical form as a monster and elemental is what it would be. I, I think that yeah, I don't know. You know, in yeah, I, I don't really know where what the origin of that stuff is. In Dungeons and Dragons it was really it was just earth, wind, air, earth, wind, fire and water. Right. Elementals, but then they in the manual of the planes, they started really expanding a lot of that stuff and so you you started getting like smoke elemental and like these the sort of quasi elemental planes that then it was cool to have a you know ice elemental and a yeah. steam elemental and a mud elemental or whatever but yeah in, in KOL I mean jokes about elementals which I never really differentiated in the first year or so between what thing would become an elemental and what thing would become a golem Right. You know? So there's a basic elemental, I guess. A grass elemental. A pencil golem, because that's a thing that it's constructed from. Yeah, and the grass elemental I mean, is totally not made out of grass. Yeah, that it is, though. But it wasn't, like, made by a Jew. I think that's a... The thing that differentiates yeah. elementals and golems is that golems are made by Jews. Um... Yeah, so that's why. 
Still need a Moxie-based equivalent to the staff of homophones and the sword behind. Three words. Comic Sans Crossbow, says the amazing oh Mr. Oh, God, Coolface. something that changes your font and chat. Well, the, we already... Apparently, Chris uh, decided to experiment with that, with that a little, where if you talk in PvP without a broken stone, you talk in Comic Sans. Right. Which is pretty funny. Although, it's so small that you can't tell that it's Comic Sans. Really? Yeah. Uh, Costanza Faust says, since the addition of General Stores, General Store, there are now two General Stores. This confuses the Go command and is just generally confusing. Have you thought about renaming the Knoll Store? Yeah. Yeah. I should fix that. He suggests Knollworths. <laughs> uh, let's see. Blister Guy says, I've noticed the zombie spill smash and grah seems to have a tendency towards some items rather than others in the space of an ascension. For example, in one run while trying to smash and grah the Frau Warrior outfit, I'll end up with five or six of two outfit pieces before I finally get the third one. Uh, the next ascension I'll have the same trouble with, but with a different piece of the outfit. Uh, you know, I think that what you are noticing is randomness uh-huh. uh, because I'm... I, I like I have not looked at the code, but I would be willing to put money on my faith in CD Moyer that that query is ordered by Rand to avoid exactly the kind of thing that you're talking about. Um, so yeah. Uh, Double Gold says December twenty first, twenty twelve is coming up. Are we going to have a challenge path and a December item on item of the month that references this false doomsday? That would be fun. I don't know what kind of item of the month would ref- would reference a doomsday. There could be a doomsday device. There could be a Mayan cowender. A Mayan colander. This is like a Mayan who kills like a butcher. Or, uh, I think it, we I have know, enough. Call, an abattoirist. Yeah. What do you call a guy who but like? Does a butcher kill cows, or does a butcher just cut them up? I think a butcher just cuts them up. Yeah. Because so like, cows die in a slaughterhouse. My, yeah. my grandpa would kill the cows, and then my uncle, the butcher, would cut them into cuts of meat. Right. It's cool that you can cut things into cuts. I remember watching that process happen once, and there being a big tub underneath the. Uh, underneath the, the sort of like carcass of the cow hmm. uh, which at that point was totally unrecognizable as a cow it was just it was just like the torso and leg meat and bones of a cow and then there was no skin on it or anything and my uncle saying watch this and he cut into a specific part of the cow which just resulted in like probably a half a gallon of just clear fluid pouring out of it Huh. And I have no idea what that fluid was. It, it like something from inside a joint or something. Hmm. But I'm like, do 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 cows have like so much synovial fluid inside their hind leg joints that you can like you need a bucket for it? Hmm. I don't. I don't know what that was. It is a powerful memory. I mean, like. You know, you see a lot of you see a lot of shit on a farm that sticks with you. <laughs> yeah, you know. Oh, shit. I mean, I was just thinking about like what it did to me to grow up around. There were cats, right? But you didn't feed cats, right? 
right? Like there, a cat would have kittens, and then there would be kittens for a while, and then there would be some dead kittens, maybe. Maybe you saw them. Maybe they just got eaten by a coyote. And then later on, there was some smaller number of adult cats. Right. And that's rough, right? I mean, you can't, like... Yeah, I don't know. That's why, like, when, when, like, when as fucking everywhere, like, both at the office and at my house, there's just feral cats everywhere. And I don't know why this is. I think it might be because Liker Shampoo used to feed cats at the office, and so now there are just some pheromones. There's, like, some hobo symbols carved into the foundation of the office that are, like, friendly, a friendly lady lives here. So cats know to have kittens here. And I think in my backyard is just unkempt enough that there are a lot of places for kittens to be born. <laughs> but when I see those, I'm like, yep, feral cats, the, their population will be controlled by the food supply. <laughs> you know, like the population of mice will determine how many of those kittens survive. And that's okay. That's the way the world works. Whereas, you know, like a girlfriend will say, oh, we should take all these cats and they should become our cats. I say, if you had seen the things that I had seen, you would not give a shit about those kittens. Right. I mean, they're cute. It's undeniable. They're like, yeah, it'd be nice if we lived in a world where you could have fucking 500 kittens all the time without having to deal with the consequences of that later. Uh, But, you know, we don't don't live in that world. Did they ever, uh, did you ever see them, like, drown a bag full of cats over to the farm? No. Uh, my my dad would sometimes control the cat population with a gun, hmm. which is a thing that I would. That, that's some memories I wish I didn't have. Yeah, Jesus. Um, I think I was never. I think there were probably some drowning happened. Um, but I but I don't know that I was ever. Uh, I don't know that I was ever explicitly aware of it. Yeah. Yeah, Maybe. my dad was not a cat person. Right. I mean, I can I can get if you are in an environment where everybody treats cats as vermin, then like you know you you wouldn't you wouldn't think it disgusting if somebody rounded up a bunch of mice and killed them in mass, right? Uh, I would actually, but that's just because I'm uh, like I'm oversensitive. I mean, like, would you use a mouse trap? I probably would not. Like, I, I, I think you know, I probably would try for a no-kill mouse trap since those things exist. Yeah, I mean, mice because mice are cute. Like, I just get to the point where it's like, you know, I don't like. What if I in- don't want to. I don't want like hantavirus or whatever. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but I also like. I've never had a mouse in a house that I owned. So what I've never had to deal with it. I've just never had to worry about it. It's never been a thing. So if the cat gave birth to a litter of scorpions? Oh, fuck yeah. Just stomp them. Gotcha. Like, scorpions, because there is a possible world in which they can kill me... Yeah. ...and will, uh, I, I think it is fairly easy for me to justify. But I mean... Can they you know, kill you feel, as a grown-ass man, though? Uh, I mean, if you were sick, hmm. they could. No, I mean no. If you were if you were sick or allergic, right? If you if you if your health was already very compromised and you got stung by a scorpion, you know, I mean, it'll it can kill a baby, and it can kill like somebody who's so old that they're basically already dead. Right. 
Or, I mean, maybe somebody with AIDS or something. Wouldn't they give the scorpion AIDS and kill the scorpion? I don't know that scorpions actually absorb any blood. (laughs) I also have to imagine that scorpions that sting people have a fairly low survival rate. Right. Because especially fuck that one, you know? Um, yeah, I killed a scorpion just yesterday. I was, I was a. Uh, it got dark, and I was outside, and I was smoke. I was smoking a cigar and pacing around my swimming pool, talking on the phone with my mom, uh, which is a thing that I try to do as often as I can. And I'm, I'm walking along, uh, walking along in my flip flops. I'm like, you know, this is probably stupid. Like, there is probably with every step that I take a one in a billion chance that I will step on a scorpion such that I get his claws and he can reach my feet right. with his tail, right? And it's a low chance, but I am probably going to do 400 laps around this swimming pool before the night is over. Mm-hmm. And so it starts to get multiplied to the point where maybe, maybe I look, right? So I turned on my light, my, my little flashlight app on my phone, and sure enough, there was a scorpion running across in front of me, like, right when it occurred to me to do that. I'm like, well, fuck, how many near misses did I have? Yeah. But I just stepped on him, you know, and I didn't even think about it. Every once in a while when I see one with, like, a thousand tiny baby scorpions on it, I'm like, I am about to end dozens of lives. I should feel something about this. But really, the only thing I feel is fucking revulsion at the horrors that have been visited on my eyes right? by the way in which nature has decided that these fucking things are going to walk around and reproduce and live. Yeah. Yeah. The Dog Delusion says, Hey guys, I'm an elementary school teacher in Japan and I just found out that one of my fifth graders plays your game. She's been playing for almost a year but has never ascended, doesn't read the forums or chat, doesn't listen to the podcast, doesn't listen to a clan, and has never donated, and as far as I can tell, reads only a bit of the in-game text, though her English is decent. However, she really likes the were-taco and the bread golem at the tower ruins, and apparently spends all of her adventures in that area killing them and collecting wads of dough and taco shells. I asked her if she ever cooks with them, and she told me very seriously, it's not for eating, I keep it. She also really loves the pencil golems in the Daily Dungeon. I have no idea how she found your game, but I thought you should know that you've got at least one young Japanese fan who is fluent enough in English to know that a were taco is funny stuff. Uh, that's so great. I'm also so glad that no nine-year-old girls listen to this podcast. Yeah, jeez. Or at least one. Uh, what? What? How old is a fifth grader? I guess a fifth grader is 11. And 10. Yeah, 10, 11. Sure. Okay. Yeah. That's probably pretty good. This is not this this podcast is not for babies. Uh, Richard Baby Four Thousand. Speaking of babies, yeah. gonna pick this scab again. Was there a reason for the haunted sorority house to not reappear every year at Halloween outside of it being one time content? This probably came up before, but I can't remember an answer. What I remember is that I had a good time clobbering questionably sexy sexy wolf gals. Ah, you know, it's this constant line you got to walk between. A lot of why something is special is because you can't have it anymore. And it seems like the larger world of multiplayer games is moving away from that kind of thing. The, the, this happened, and there was some stuff that you could get, and now it's gone. 
in the same way that they're moving away from everything else that made games like Worlds. Mm. Uh, you know, because it's because it creates some friction. It, cre- it creates some, I don't know, pissing and moaning, some some resentment. And not not that I'm accusing you, Richard Baby Four Thousand, the super fan, uh, of of doing anything wrong here. It's just that I I am still of the opinion that the 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 the, the burden, the the calling, the responsibility of the person running one of these things is to gauge based on what people ask for what will actually make them happy as opposed to just giving them what they ask for and that that results in an experience that is richer and more interesting for everyone Uh, you know a lot of people don't work on an MMO for 10 years I, I cannot actually point to a single MMO that I'm aware of that has been in existence for 10 years that has a person involved in it who was there at the beginning. Like it tends to, it tends to sort of go in the same sort of burnout cycle as traditional game development goes. And part of that is I wonder, you know, I'm willing to do things that are ostensibly unpopular because they keep me interested in what we're doing and I, I think, I think that KOL is a is a is a noble thing in part due to me treating it like a thing that I have some investment in, as opposed to like a machine for satisfying people to whatever rate it is necessary to satisfy them to get them to pay us. Right. And. Yeah, I mean, I when I say that I didn't feel like the Haunted Sorority House was good enough to be a full-time fixture in the clan basement, while I get that you might disagree with that from a from a player's perspective, I I think it is more important for the long-term health of the game for me to be able to say, no, I demand a certain level of quality for things that are going to become fixtures than for me to put it out there. Because, you know, I mean, it wouldn't really hurt anything to put the Haunted Sorority House back out there for people to play in. But, you know, I don't know. It only wouldn't hurt anything if my soul doesn't count as a thing, and it would hurt my soul just a little bit. And you have to follow your muse, man. My bliss. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you have. You can't discount your feelings about it because they're the things that have gotten you this far so far. Yeah. You know? I mean, I certainly can't just blindly follow them and expect everybody else to, either, right? Because that's sure. how George Lucas got where he got. It's a tight rope that we walk. It is a fine line. Uh, man, this this uh, this show flew right by. I had a lot of fun doing this podcast with you, Mister Skullhead, and I with you, and also with you. <laughs> and hey, we're gonna we're gonna do another one, and we're gonna be in the same room. That shit goes live. Uh, have you, have see you been seen the studio in the office since we? I haven't did it seen any any kind of studio in the office. No. All right. You're in for a treat. There is all kinds of shit thumbtacked to other shit in there. Nice. 
All right. I look forward to it. And I look Until forward then, to, good night, everybody. To talking to all of you again next week. Good night, everybody.